Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Wednesday, October 27th edition of the Basement Academy. Let's dive on in to our morning psalm. This is Psalm 57. It tells us in the editorial note that this is a psalm of David when he had fled from Saul into the cave. You remember the story, King Saul, nervous and paranoid about David's popularity, he who had slain Goliath, is fearing that David is becoming more popular and fears perhaps a, an attempt on the throne. And so Saul sets out to kill David time and time again. And so this is one of those times when David is trapped in a cave. And this is why we pray this psalm. We don't get trapped in caves, but we feel like we're trapped, right? Or we know people who feel like they're trapped in some life circumstance, in a job, in a difficult situation. And so it's a prayer of faith. Um, it's acknowledging the difficulty, hiding in the shadow of God's wings, but ultimately it's a psalm affirming God's goodness and it's worship. So in the midst of our being trapped, we worship, we lift our eyes uh, to God. And so, and so Psalm 57. Have mercy on me, O God, have mercy on me, for in you my soul takes refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends his love and his faithfulness. I am in the midst of lions. I lie among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. It feels like that way sometimes. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart is steadfast, O God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Amen. Lord, in our feeling trapped and when our friends are feeling trapped and we pray for them, Lord, give us steadfast and trusting hearts. Amen. Okay, let's unlearn some evangelism. <laughs> um, and so you're the mayor of your village. We've kind of mapped out, hopefully you've done that. You've mapped out on paper, you've put down the names of individuals from work, your neighborhood, your family, uh, your associations and hobbies, your old friends, old high school and college friends, people that you are uniquely in relationship with. There's nobody else on planet Earth that has you that unique kind of fingerprint uh, of, of relationships. You alone have that set of relationships and you have to understand that God has prepared good works in advance for you to do amongst your villagers, okay? That's the key. That's the key understanding. So evangelism 
isn't something that happens to strangers. It happens bearing good news. God has saved you that you might bear witness to your village, okay? And so I gave this very simple rubric. Uh, it starts with people's names, okay? There may be people you associate with at work or in other places. You really kind of don't know their name. So it's going to be hard to be in conversation with them. So you got to know all the names of your villagers. And then it's getting to know the news around them, you know, just if you're kind of wanting to get to know somebody, hey, how are the kids? How's the family, etc. And then out of that are going to surface some needs. Again, over time, you're listening Okay, you're listening for stories that will indicate there are some needs and you make some open-ended questions or affirmation. Boy, that sounds rough. And then hopefully we get to the pay dirt question that they would ask the question, why would God, and then whatever their circumstances, whatever their hardship, trial, difficulty that, that is frustrating them or, or they're, they're kind of caught in. So here's another moment for unlearning evangelism. Most of us think that is the last question we want somebody to ask us. No, that is the question we want them to ask. We want people to ask the where, why would God uh, uh, question? Why would God allow? Why would God permit? Why hasn't God shown up? Um, we want that question, okay? That's now when the relationship is able to go deep. That's the opportunity for us to give an answer for the reason for the hope we have, 1 Peter 3.15. And so you're going to prepare for that question. I'm going to help you prepare for that question now. I'm happy to be in conversation further with any of you offline. We want this question, and so let's prepare for it, okay? Now, first, I mentioned this briefly yesterday. I just wanted to come back to it. When somebody asks that question, why would God, again, it might not be in exactly those words, but it comes pretty close to that. I can't believe in a God that would allow dot, 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 you know, my child to suffer. Or why, why won't God answer my prayers? Okay, they're all versions of, why would God dot, 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 not show up, not answer my prayer, permit this to happen? Three things that are being affirmed are one, there is a God. Okay. Why would God? Well, that assumes there is a God. Okay. So that's good. So you can lean into that. It also assumes that God is powerful and God is good and loving. Okay. So why would a good and loving and powerful God allow this to happen? Third, God should do something about this. So within the question that seems so off-putting actually is an opportunity for you to affirm within that person their belief in God, their belief that God is good, that God is powerful, that God is loving, and that God should, can or should do something about that situation, okay? So you want that question to come because then you have an opportunity immediately to affirm that person in their belief in God who is good, powerful, loving, and who has the power to show up and fix this thing, okay? We have to prepare for that. We have to think that through ourselves so that when the question shows, we're ready to answer, okay? We're ready to affirm, you know, and so role-playing. Well, Bill, whew, that 
that is a great question. That is a hard question. I've wrestled with that myself as a as a believer, as a follower of Christ. You know, I've wrestled with that many times over the years when I've had some hard situations like I shared with you. Um, I just want to, first of all, just affirm, you know, that I share your belief in God who is good and loving and powerful and a God who who has power to remedy the situation. Um, so I just affirm that. I, I, I see you. I see that in you. They may not even recognize the faith that they're expressing in that question. Okay? So you're speaking back to them a word of blessing, a word of affirmation. That decision-making process that we talked about, kind of moving along a continuum of there is no God or I'm kind of neutral towards God, to over time believing that there is a God, you're naming for that person what they may not even be able to understand themselves, that they believe there is a God who should be able to do something because he's a God of love and power. Okay, so you start there. Now, I think it's good to have a go-to story to share. You can share out of your own life. Certainly, you want to do that. I I think it's good to have a go-to Bible story to allow the Word of God to answer and and bear witness to the person's question. Now, my go-to story is John chapter 11 about the death and raising or resurrection of Lazarus. So Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Okay, Mary and Martha, you know, Martha's busy in the kitchen and Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet. That Mary and Martha, they have a brother, Lazarus. Jesus knows them well. And so John 11 tells the story of the sisters getting word to Jesus that their brother is sick. The one you love, your friend, your friend Lazarus is sick. And it says Jesus stayed where he was two more days. What? We, we live in a world when, you know, hey, something bad is happening. We drop what we're doing and we run and we expect God to drop everything he's doing and run to our aid. By the time Jesus shows up, Lazarus has been dead for four days. The sisters go out one at a time to meet him. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. You can hear the disappointment in that question. You can tell that they've been talking about it. Where is he? We, got, we sent message, and where is he? And by the time Jesus shows up, he's already been dead for four days. So we're, we're at least a six-day window now, right? <laughs> okay. And so there's this reality where, oh my goodness, disappointment is being expressed. It's important. We can express our disappointment to God, okay? The, the sisters did, if you had been here. Jesus comes to the tomb. The crowd is whispering and murmuring. Could not he who have opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? So, so referring to a miracle that Jesus had done. So clearly, everybody's in on the same question. Why did it take him so long to get here? If he had showed up, Lazarus wouldn't have died. Okay, this is all important. Um, That's where we read Jesus wept. He comes to the tomb. He sees the sorrow of uh, of Mary and Martha. He, He hears, he knows the sorrow of the crowd. They've lost their loved one. He's lost a friend, okay? Now, Jesus knows what he's getting ready to do. In that conversation with Mary and Martha, he talks about being the resurrection and the life. If you believe, you will see. If you die, you will rise. (laughs) And so there is this reality. I want you to read uh, read the story for yourself. 
really, read John 11 for yourself. He raises Lazarus, roll back the stone, Lazarus come out, he takes the grave clothes off and away they go, okay? It's, it's a go-to story. I, I, I share it in funerals often uh, when there's an untimely death, when I know the questions are being asked in the room. You know, people are showing up to pay their respects, but, but they're also, how in the world could God have allowed this young person to have died or this situation? Because we, we routinely question God when tragedy happens in our lives, when trials happen in our lives. So it's not just at death, but at other, other disappointments and circumstances. We ask the question, why would God? So Mary and Martha, why would God, why would Jesus have waited so long to come? Okay, so they're, they're asking, the, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. And so they're expressing their disappointment. And so why this is a go-to story for me, it's okay to challenge God. It's okay to question God. You, you need to affirm that. When the person you're talking to, when Bill asks the question, why would God, you tell the, you tell the Lazarus story you, and you want to be able to tell it. You don't want to say, well, let me pull out my Bible and read you the Lazarus story. You want to be able to tell this story in kind of a narrative form, say, you know, there's this story in the Bible uh, of Lazarus uh, dying, his good friend of his dying, and the, his sisters call him out, you know? So it's, I've learned that it's okay to question God. We even, uh, in our Bible, we, we see that. And so affirm their wrestling, affirm their disappointment in God. God can handle it, okay? God's big enough, okay? The Psalms do that all the time, okay? Jesus wept. And so we need to say that, that, you know, uh, what we read of Jesus in the Bible, I've come to know a Savior who weeps with me, weeps when I weep, who rejoices when I rejoice, who enters into my disappointment, my suffering, my pain. Jesus himself was brokenhearted at the death of Lazarus. People need to hear that God weeps, that Jesus weeps. I think a lot of folks have this, you know, God's out there on some throne out there in the distant parts of the universe, and somehow we need to get his attention for him to, you know, get involved and care about our lives. Oh, people, he cares about our lives. He cares about our lives. And so Jesus weeps, and we see that. And so he affirms our sorrow, he affirms our loss. He enters into the pain. But it's this is the story where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And you want to say those words to uh, your friend, when you're, your villager that you're bearing witness to. Again, assuming you can get to this conversation. You know, it was in that hour of sorrow that Jesus declared, I am the resurrection and the life. And so he raised Lazarus, but that was a foreshadowing of his own resurrection. It was in, in that story, just a few chapters later in the Bible, we see Jesus on the cross, and then on the third day, he is rising. And so the, the resurrection of Lazarus is a foreshadowing of Jesus' own death and resurrection, which is God telling us, I know, I see, I enter into your very pain. 
I am doing something about the suffering of the world. I am doing something about the sorrow and heartache and heartbreak of the world. I'm sending my son to die, which addresses the cause of the sorrow of the world, which is human sin. And then the resurrection is to say that death is not the end of the story. Okay. So you may not get all that time to have that conversation to unpack John chapter 11, but I I put three highlights here. It's okay to challenge God. Jesus weeps and enters into our pain, but Jesus deals with the ultimate cause of our suffering and sorrow, and that is human sin. So I said yesterday, there's a short story and a long story, and this has probably gotten a little long. The short story is Jesus is the answer to the need. Why would God? Well, God did do something. So you want to hopefully get to that place where you have the longer conversation about Genesis chapter three, God creating a good world, Genesis one and two, but in Genesis three, human sin and agency has led things astray. So we're wanting to bear witness to the truth. We're wanting to bear witness to Jesus. That, and So again, in the role play language, this may sound a little strange and it may be little comfort right now because you're still in the middle of your tough situation. But God has done something. And God allows human freedom, but God also enters in. He freely enters into the story in the person of Jesus. And in the death and resurrection of Jesus, God has begun to reverse uh, the, the problems of the world. And he has made a way for us to be back in relationship with God. And, you know, Bill, there, there's probably more to talk about that and, and you know, be happy to answer more of your questions. But, um, but I have found great comfort in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that that tells me that what my eyes are seeing is not all that there is to the story. So that's kind of an important phrase. What we're seeing is not all that there is to the story. I mentioned that a few days ago. That we need to be able to bear witness to others that what your eyes are seeing, friend, is not everything that is going on. God is doing things beyond what we can see. And that is certainly the case in the death and resurrection of Christ. And so let, let, me, let me kind of wrap up. Um, this kind of work requires patience. So you're building relationship with folks over time. It requires prayer. You're praying for your villager. You're praying for Bill, your friend, um, in, in, in his loss, in his trial. And you're letting him know that you're praying. Hey, Bill, how are things going? I've just been, been lifting you all in prayer. Uh, and any, any you know, change to that situation? It requires persistence because, you know, at times, hey, I don't want to talk about it. Bill waves you off and don't, don't let the wave off be final, right? Just persistence. You keep praying. You keep hanging around. It's the long game. It requires humility. We, we don't come in with all the answers. We don't come in, you know, when folks are in need, they're in need. And we respect that. We respect their pain, their sorrow, their, their, their suffering, their silence, their, their stiff arming, you know, not wanting to talk about it. We respect that. There's compassion. There's mercy. There's tenderness. There's courage that is required because sometimes we're not going to want to answer that question. We're going to run from the question, why would God? 
Don't run from it. Run towards it. That's where the action is. That's where the witness is. That's where you have an opportunity to give a reason for the hope that you have. They're in a situation where they don't have hope, where they're despairing, they're frustrated, they're disappointed with God, with the situation, that they don't see a way out. Now, you, you can't heal the situation, but what you can do is bear witness, again, gently, that over time, God is doing things. You saw something happen in your life that you can speak to. You can tell a Bible story where people saw things happen but didn't understand something bigger was going on that God was doing, okay? I hope this is helpful the, the challenge around what I'm talking about is at some point you open your mouth and you say words to people who are in a tough spot. But that's what witnesses do. <laughs> witnesses get in the witness, get on the witness stand and your heart starts to beat a little bit and the questions come and you trust that God is going to provide his Holy Spirit like he promised to do to help you answer in that moment. Okay, uh, let's close here and we'll just pick up and kind of keep thinking about this uh, this week. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the hard questions that come to us, for the hard questions that we have asked and that you are big enough to handle our questions and our doubts and our disappointment. Thank you for the story of uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus and Jesus and all that you did there. How glad we are uh, for this story where we see Jesus weeping and Jesus bearing witness with great faith uh, to the resurrection and the life that he offers. And so we pray for our villagers again, uh, even this day, as we call some to mind whom we know are in a hard, hard place. Lord, help us to bear witness quietly, graciously, faithfully, persistently over time. Help us to bear witness to them of your goodness, grace, and glory through Jesus, in whose name we pray and who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the resurrection and life, give you fresh hope to understand that everything you see is not everything that God is doing. And may you be able to bear witness to that now and forevermore. Amen.